This is Johnny Blue Star. Welcome to Threshold, a global media event. Is the universe just a random dance of atoms, or is it a manifestation of a supremely intelligent architect? Can its purpose, or our purpose here on Earth, be adequately assessed? Can we commune with it, know its intentions, cooperate with its direction? Here, we define Threshold as a gateway state of awareness, allowing mankind to cross into a place of real cognition. Threshold allows us to approach questions of higher reality through the door of experience rather than mere belief. Welcome to Threshold, where we tear away the veil from commercial media, bringing our audience and participants into another realm of reality and enhanced communication. Back on Threshold Radio with part two of our interview with Paula Lenz. Paula is, in fact, the author of the book, Driving to Infinity, Living with My Brother's Spirit. This show is called Melding into Spirit, The Aftermath. Melding into Spirit is a spiritual practice that Paula derived from her sojourn into the world beyond death. In this show, she will go into the aftermath of her momentous journey to the next world, including the continuity of experience with her deceased brother, John. In our last show, she talked about some incidents with objects arriving in unexpected ways into sometimes significant places that had the earmarks of a continuing communication with her brother. This is Johnny Bluestar. As host of Threshold Radio, I've had the experience of speaking with many interesting people, but the guest I'm introducing today, Paula Lenz, has had an experience that could be life-altering for some of my listeners. Even for those familiar with various types of paranormal phenomena, like telepathy, out-of-body journeys, near-death experiences, this story could still rock your world. Why? Because it presents a very different and rare paradigm of the human experience and alters what is understood of the possibilities between life and death. I just want to read a couple of things here about reviews of Paul's book, which is called Driving into Infinity, Living with My Brother's Spirit. I just love that name, Driving into Infinity, which is absolutely true when you get to understand what she's about to tell us. Anyway, this man is named Kenneth Ring. He's an author of Lessons from Light and one of the founders of the International Association for Near-Death Studies. This is what he said. Paul Lenz's book shows how the deepest grief can unlock the greatest spiritual treasures. The story of how the death of her beloved brother Don had also provided her and us with the incontrovertible evidence of life after death should convince any skeptic that we live after we die. And we're about to hear her story. Good morning, Paula. Good morning. You know, I was thinking, this is a minor point, but you know, one of the experiences that you had was what we call after-death communications, right? Yes. With, with the books, as well as other little things that happen. But I want to just mention something here. This type of phenomena caused a real big national, sort of a move towards national awareness because of Bishop Pike. Have you ever heard of him? I've heard of Bishop Pike, yes. Well, let me just read a few sentences about it. Because in 1966, Pike's son Jim took his own life in New York City, in a New York City hotel room, shortly after his son's death, Pike reported experiencing poltergeist phenomena, books vanishing and reappearing, safety pins open and indicating the approximate hour of his son's death, half the clothes in the closet disarranged and heaped up. Pike led a public pursuit of various spiritualist and clairvoyant 
methods of contacting his deceased son to reconcile. Well, he did a lot of things. There, there were heresy procedures uh, begun in 1962, 1964, 1965, and 1966 before this happened. I mean, most of them were. And, but they decided not to hold him for heresy. But he did, he did sort of leave, and uh, he, he joined a, uh, an organization that was, was a sort of a think tank about democratic organizations in the United States. But I'm saying it caused a big, big uproar in his church, that, you know, about this phenomena. Yes. Well, and so all of these things are, you know, along that same line that happened. But my consciousness, I mean, in addition to these kinds of happenings, my consciousness was really changed. And I became so much more intuitive, I guess even somewhat, you know, psychic. But for example, three months after my brother's passing, I believe that I received guidance through him that related to saving my family and me from the brink of death from carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, tell we us about gone, that. My husband and I had gone to my dad and his wife's home for Christmas, and uh, and my mom and her husband lived in town there too. And so we were there for several days for Christmas. And when we uh, arrived at my dad's house, he said, well, his wife had been under the weather for the last two days. And, and then he himself later that day was not feeling well. But we said, well, we'll just, you know, go ahead and stay and visit with other people in our hometown, and which is what we did. But later that night, both my husband and I began to feel uh, really sick, you know, after we had returned to my dad's house. And it became a really frightening experience because I'm lying there in bed and my heart is just pounding like it's going to pound right out of my chest. And my husband tried to get up out of bed and he actually fell down on the floor and you know, just couldn't move practically. I had to kind of help him back into bed. But I knew there was something that kept saying to me, there's something wrong in this house. There's something wrong in this house. And I was to the point where I couldn't even stand up straight and walk. I had to crawl down the hallway at my dad's house to get to the phone. This is back in the days before cell phones, and they had, you know, their phone in the hallway. And I called my sister in town to come back over to the house. And she did. And I told her, I said, I don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong with this house. And I slept by the front door with the door open and I had her open the kitchen window. I told her, we have to open these, we have to open the window, we have to open this door and we have to leave this open. And that's where I stayed all night. She slept on the couch there. And the next morning when my dad got up, I told him, I said, there's something wrong in this house. There's something wrong in this house. I just kept telling him that. And so even though he was still pretty sick himself, he did go to the area where their furnace was kept. And when he looked in there, opened the door, the door to the furnace had come off. And that's when he realized that we were suffering from carbon monoxide poisoning. And so he fixed that. And uh, then we, of course, all, you know, it took a, a day or two for us to recover. But, you know, I really believe that I was being helped and guided to save our lives. Wow. And it was, you know, so these kinds of things, these intuitions and knowings about things is, is how, you know, my consciousness changed. 
And I experienced a lot of things that were more like someone who had had a near-death experience. And the other aspect of my consciousness that was impacted was about the idea of religion versus spirituality. And I just could never return to, I guess, churches that I viewed as, you know, they're set up through a particular religion like Baptist or whatever. And eventually I was led to the Unity Church because it focuses more on spirituality. It's not judgmental in terms of other people's religions or pathways. You know, we're all on the pathway uh, back to spirit. And that's, that's how they view, you know, all of humanity. And that is how I viewed humanity after my experience, that, you know, we are all one with spirit no matter what. It's not something that we can make go away. We are all one. Yes, we have these experiences or shortcomings or hang-ups that get in the way, you know, kind of block our, our path in achieving that oneness or feeling that oneness and, and uh, this higher consciousness. But it was just not something I could go back to in terms of religion, I guess. And the other part was I, I was compelled to read. Through the years, I've read hundreds and hundreds of books related to spirituality and, and different philosophies and things of that nature. And to this day, I still still read a lot of, a lot of books on that subject matter. And the interesting part about this is I majored in English in college. So you can imagine I have spent a lot of years previously reading lots of fictional books and studying different authors and that sort of thing. And really, I didn't, I read some nonfiction, but you know, my, my main focus was fiction. But once I had this experience and I began being compelled to read these other books, I could never go back and read another piece of fiction. And I'm an English major. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just had no interest in that at all anymore, ever. You know, have have you come across a book called The Gnostic Gospels by Elaine Pagels? You know, I've heard that title, but I have not read that. You see, in 1945, a, a sort of a peasant discovered an urn buried. He was looking for something like fertilizer. And, and he was afraid to open this urn, but he thought, well, maybe there's gold in it, but he was afraid there would be a bad gin or a genie in it. When he opened it, he found all these manuscripts. And I, I won't go into the details, but the main idea of these manuscripts, and they weren't all the same. They weren't, they weren't like the four Gospels so closely connected. They were different points of view, but they were all based on, most of them were based on the Gnostic belief that there is a cardinal experience which would make you a Christian. And it's a entirely different point of view than what Christianity became later. And uh, these books were destroyed, probably in most cases, by the, the people who took over the Christian church. The true Christian church, of course, at one point in, in the fourth century was taken over by Constantine. He actually, and before they were immensely persecuted, but he actually made them sort of a very important part of the Roman Empire. But they talk about an initiation by experience. So their idea of Christianity was to experience something, 
rather than believing in something. That's sort of basically why they call Gnostics, because that comes from the word gignomai in Greek, which means to know. Yes. So there is a precedent for thinking that this type of belief structure that is based on experience is something like perhaps what you experienced and what the Unity Church and some others perhaps is, is, is like. Yes. And, you know, and along that line, I've had some people comment to me about, well, I don't really mention Jesus or talk about Jesus in this book, other than, you know, in my dream, Jesus appeared in the sky. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't talk about it or focus on it so much in my book because I was trying to re- relate exactly what I experienced, both in terms of being out of body and the things that happened to me afterwards. But, you know, Jesus, of course, is has brought to the earthly realm uh, a more direct way, I guess, for people to think about how they can connect and be spiritual and and comforted and one with that consciousness. Jesus tried to, well, did bring that that consciousness to earth in a more direct way of the human experience that people could, I guess, more identify with. But, you know, I don't really go into any of that into my book because it was not my intention right. in writing the book to be someone who was uh, sermonizing to people about religion and what to believe and not to believe and all these different, you know, religious or spiritual leaders. I mean, that was not the intent behind my book. Well, in these books, uh, in some of them anyway, the the message is quite different. The message is to know yourself and to experience the depths of who you are. Yes. Uh, And that that is... uh, those are books that were written many, many years ago. I mean, I think these ones were probably copies of other ones, but they were, they were 1,500 years old. A lot of these books were destroyed, but maybe they tell another story about Jesus that shouldn't be forgotten. Yes. So, you know, I sometimes I, I do try to make that clarification in terms of what my purpose was behind this book. and uh, And, you know, in the book I talk about it's funny you mentioned the term know thyself and that has always been for me a phrase that I found really important. I mean, even before my experience, know thyself is just so important to being who we truly are in this life and experiencing a deeper consciousness and awareness of what life can be if we just look beyond some of the everyday occurrences. You know, if we examine our consciousness and and, um, think about things more kind of outside the box. We're now going to take a break. We now have a few messages followed by a song. This is Johnny Blue Star, CEO of New Galaxy Enterprises, a media content development company. One of the most exciting projects I've regularly been involved in is the creation of nonfiction books, often collaborating with new authors on a wide variety of topics, either through editing or through writing, sometimes being guided by the client's direction or collaborating directly with the client. In this capacity, I've worked on a book on abolishing the caste system in India 
a system of selling with integrity and sensitivity towards client and product, several fascinating memoirs, one with a Korean War veteran and crime fighter, another with one of the greatest ventriloquists and television producers in the 50s and 60s. To learn more about New Galaxy, see samples of our work, or talk to us about your project, please go to www.NewGalaxyEnterprises.com and fill out the contact form. In Ken Ede's book, The Involuntary Spy, Seth Rogen, a scientist, after having discovered a major deception created by a multi-billion dollar worldwide agribusiness giant that he works for, is driven by his conscience to release the information to the public at the peril of his reputation, career, and life itself. To do this, he must take refuge in Moscow. Here is an excerpt. Chapter 4 Yuri helped Seth settle into the safe house in Moscow. Tomorrow night, he would take the nine-hour flight to the Far East. From the apartment, he could see the colorful and distinctive towers of St. Basil's Cathedral from his window, and the glittering gold onion domes of the Church of Annunciation in the Kremlin. This was the Kremlin he had seen so many times on television. Back then, during the Cold War, it had represented the seat of the Empire of Evil. Now, it was oddly beautiful. The American press was already doing damage control on Seth's report to Russia today. The president called it propaganda, and said that the United States was against the manufacture of biological weapons. Spokesmen from the company said that Seth's report to RT should be disregarded as the words of a traitor and a thief. Because of his fleeing the country, Seth's story was discredited in every mainstream media report. Okay, your name now is George Amers, said Yuri, smiling, holding out documents. Here is new passport. I'm Canadian? Yes. Does that mean I have to say A all the time? Seth, Russians don't care what you say. But don't talk to people. Don't talk to people. And don't go anywhere. Just to work and back home. Sounds boring. Isn't that what you guys do in America anyway? Well, yeah. Okay. Don't make friends. If you want a girl, we get you girl. That sucks. Look, it's only for six months. Then you can do what you want. If you see anything suspicious, call me. Six months, eh? Yes, six months. Oh, and shave mustache and color hair. What? You prefer shave head and color mustache? No, no, that's okay. I'll take the hair color. And we fix nose. What's wrong with my nose? Nose too big. It's not. We fix anyway. Okay, let me see if I've got it. Don't go anywhere. Don't make friends. Sleep with prostitutes that you send to me and wear a disguise. Yes, you are smart. Don't forget to use lenses I gave you for eyes. And what? Lose some weight. Seth worked on his disguise with the materials Yuri had left in the safe house. He said a fond farewell to the mustache that had been with him since high school and picked a dark brown color to mask his light brown hair. With the contacts in, his eyes changed from green to brown. He didn't even recognize himself. The surface disguise was the easy part. Being George Amers would be the true disguise to master. The song we're about to play is called My Heart is Ready. I wrote the lyrics. The music is by Edgar Ahrens and is sung by Patricia Welch. The song we're about to play has a melody originally from a spiritual song written by Edgar with Russian lyrics, and although the New English lyrics 
are focused on the reparation of love that perhaps got lost in the wayside, it also can be seen in a larger perspective as a return to our source, a fountain of unconditional love.
We're back on Threshold Radio with Paul Lenz, author of Driving to Infinity. Before the break, Paul was emphasizing the importance of self-knowledge. Well, I think the, uh, the thought of Know Thyself, which was inscribed over the Oracle of Delphi, Gnothiseotan, isn't that the part of the core of what you experienced? Because you found yourself to be something quite more vast than, uh, than you thought of yourself in your, your normal life. Exactly. That's, that's it exactly. And, and to me, know thyself also implies be more open to possibilities that are out there and not just, you know, continuing to be in the same state of being all the time, but rather always looking to open ourselves up in our consciousness in different ways. I think that that is just so important. You know, human beings just tend to, their natural tendency is to mainly believe what you see and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and that really closes us off to how much greater life is and can be for us by claiming and being more open and being more one you know, finding that oneness with spirit and the possibilities for us are so much greater being a part of that energy. But, you know, we being in this body, we feel so much more uh, constrained and defined. And so that's how we view life in general, I feel. I think that um, this is one of my hallmark phrases that I go by, seek ye the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, I look at this in two ways. The truth being that experience that you're talking about, to seek the truth, which is, you know, I believe that in Christianity is sometimes called the kingdom of God, uh, not, not a place, but a state. Just yes. like in Hebrew, the presence of God is called the Shekinah. So that's one side of it. But the other part of it is seeking the truth in all things, even with your mind. Because if you seek the truth with your mind, that's going to bring you closer to that experience. Because it eliminates the just blind following of what people have told you, what you've read in a book, and so forth, which is not what, I don't believe that's really what God is looking for in you. It, it's looking for someone who's really interested in the truth and is willing to go through a lot to even against the views of other people to find it. Yes, that's that's really true. And you know, this once I had this out of body experience like this and this change in consciousness. I mean, when I the second I returned to my body and and was in the flow of life again, I innately knew because I had experienced through this, this experience of consciousness, this changed consciousness, I innately knew that so many things in life that we are told or that people have written about, I innately knew that these viewpoints were not accurate, yeah. <laughs> that the things that they had written and come up with and that it's like, that's not the way it is. That's not the way our true energy or being is. Not that I go around telling people that, but for me personally, how I viewed life and the things that I knew, you know, that's guided my own life. 
again, you know, I'm not trying to be a preacher to people about, well, hey, you know what? It's really not like that. You're wrong to believe that because it, it's really not like that at all. I don't approach it from that well, standpoint. From what I experienced over the last few years, I got very deeply into, I guess you call it politics, geopolitics. And I began to realize, because I started to listen to alternative media for the first time in depth, I began to see that almost everything that was, was spoken of was, was untrue, and untrue because of mercenary reasons, because people wanted to gain power over people, over other countries, for reasons of profit, like take their resources, take their money, and so forth, and control people's lives. And so I instituted a program called Inalienable Free, ultimately. And part of what I tried to do was look at those untruths and then bring perhaps a better solution. Because I think sometimes you have to look at, okay, so people aren't getting proper medical care. They don't have insurance. They don't have that. So how do we change it in a positive way that is aligned with spirit? So I actually analyze these things in terms of what I consider, you know, my own experience of spirit, which is basically... You're being, you're aligning yourself with the intent of spirit, which is completely good. Yes, exactly. One of the things I was just thinking of also was, for example, you know, I I termed in my book, you know, this all-encompassing spirit, or well, this all-encompassing love, this energy of love, you know, I term as spirit. Mm -hmm. And I do that because I think of spirit as love, all-embodying love energy and i could not think of it as saying god because to me the terminology has been such that you know people always get in their mind an image of a, a man sitting on a throne in the sky making judgments on us <laughs> well you, you remember what god called himself when god, when moses uh, in the story is uh, sees the burning bush and God talks to him and asks, who, who shall I say, you know, he's going to save the Jewish people from slavery. Who who shall I say sent, sent me? He says, I am that I am. Yes, exactly. And, 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 and that should remove some of the uh, <laughs> problems because you're getting to the core essence of the experience of God. And so... Yeah. And so it's really important to re that re if we're all one, then we're all in a sense connected to that I am. But we're not, but in reality, most people's consciousness probably in the world is not. And that is one of the things that needs to be done because if you experience that experience, then you understand the importance of unconditional love for everyone. Yes, and the I am that I am is a really important phrase, and and it's one too that. In unity that's brought up, you know, quite a bit. And it just makes a different meaning in your mind about what you're hearing or thinking in relation to terms. It's kind of funny how terminology can, can become so implanted, I guess, with a particular image or thought related with it. And again, after experiencing spirit as love and, you know, again, that's, a, that's an aspect, too, that Jesus talked a great deal about, the love and, and, and some of the other, you know, prophets through time. And it's just 
kind of freeing yourself from some of these man-made connotations. Exactly. And some of them, you know, I have to say, what you have to do if you study these things, you have, if you read these books, even spiritual books, you have to pull out the kernels that correspond to the reality of your experience. And then other things you have to drop by the side. Yes. And I understand that. I mean, some people are able to better identify for their purposes with some of the other terminology. And that's fine. I mean, I, again, I'm just merely explaining what resonated for me and the reason, you know, I call it spirit versus God or whatever. But again, you know, we all have to keep in mind we're all on the journey back to spirit or, you know, oneness. And it's everyone is different. So I always try to keep that in mind and not judge. And if people, you know, want to use whatever terminology they want or believe whatever they want, great. I'm just explaining you know, why I chose that particular terminology for myself. We're going to take another break. We have two messages followed by a beautiful song by Lightstorm called Love is a Source, a message that resonates powerfully with everything Paula Lenz has said about her experience. My company, New Galaxy Enterprises, is a California corporation specializing in the creation of media and promotional content. We are focused on original, innovative projects that are good for humanity. These projects could be nonfiction books or novels, fictional screenplays or documentary content, websites and website content, commercial advertising content for print, audio or video products on the internet, television or radio, musical scores for advertising, television or film, video, audio editing, etc. We want to promote products and projects that support the environment, encourage a healthy experience in living, developing, nurturing and useful technology and offering platforms for positive socially constructive entertainment or informative transformative media. Our experience in creating a variety of products like this is rather vast and we offer client-based and collaborative products as well as the opportunity of active investors to join us in the creation and promotion of proprietary products, some of which are in latter stages of development. For more information, go to www.newgalaxyenterprises.com. That's www.newgalaxyenterprises.com. If you're interested in talking to us, just fill out the contact sheet and we will get back with you. If you're not fond of books, you may be interested in watching Dr. Rodier's slide presentation on his website, hugorodier.com. That's H-U-G-O-R-O-D-I-E-R.com. It lasts 48 minutes and explains the simple roots of all diseases with pictures and graphs that are easy to understand. The presentation includes basic principles of physics, philosophy, anthropology, and history to truly integrate the most vital pillars of human health.
embraces us all in the end. We'll all reach the goal. the things that happened, uh, one of the great stories of near-death near experiences happened to Daniel Brinkley, which we talked about privately at one point. But Daniel Brinkley uh, was, uh, became a good friend of Raymond Moody, and uh, after he found him, because he uh, d didn't know what to do, because he didn't know what this experience was, and then he found out something about Raymond Moody, and he got his attention, because he had a very unusual story, too. And so what happened to him was that he had several NDE experiences, and finally he had one 14 years after the first one. And uh, he went to a crystal city where he's, I'm quoting here, reunited with his angelic instructors and returned to use his new psychic and spiritual gifts to aid the dying and desperate. He has since devoted his life to working with the sick and elderly to bring revelations he received to people around the world through the his own hospice movement, particularly focusing on veterans. So he had this desire to help other people make the, the journey, uh, and it became one of the largest hospice movements in the world. And I believe that you also felt a certain commitment, particularly for, to help people who, who had a, a tremendous amount of grief. Yes, and, you know, it just became so important to me, that particular aspect and it, and it is one of the key reasons why I finally, you know, wrote the book about that, because I do want to reach out to people who experience these tragic losses along the way. Because I remember being at my brother's funeral and just, you know, how completely lost and in the dark and just, I don't know, I felt like I was looking at everyone from this long tunnel that I was, you know, way far away. But the thing I remembered was that people who came up to me and they said, or, or they shared, you know, my brother died at a young age, or, you know, I, I lost my daughter. If they had some kind of experience that they were sharing with me, I suddenly would feel like I had been tossed a life preserver. That here was someone who truly got how deep of I was in this realm of you know, despair and tragedy and loss of someone you love. And I never forgot that. And in this book, you know, I find when I make talks, do presentations here and there, 
you know, people come up to me afterwards and want to talk with me because they want to share with me some kind of experience usually that they've had with someone who's passed. And sometimes I know from these people that they've never shared with anyone else what they are telling me because they feel safe with me. They know I get it, that I understand. And I'm never going to look at them and say, oh, you're crazy, you know. And it's so important for me, you know, this is what writing this book for me is all about, is sharing with people, helping people, knowing that there are people out there who've had experiences, but they don't want to share it because they don't want people feeling like they're crazy. And heaven knows I was like that for 35 years. I mean, my brother wow. died in 1983. I didn't write this book till 2000. I published it in 2017. And in all those years, only two or three people ever knew anything about my experiences. This was not a side of my life that people knew about. And when I first got this book written and I went to an IANS conference, it was the first time I'd ever gone to a conference like that, which is, you know, International Association for Near-Death Studies. It's the only time I'd ever been to a conference like that. And there are many people who go to that who are experiencers, whether it's near-death experience or out-of-body or whatever. And I had never been in a situation like that where for the first time I could own this side of my life and who I am. Oh, that's wonderful though, isn't it? And it was a day that I felt actually giddy with this newfound sense of freedom and claiming who I am for the first time, the, you know, becoming truly authentic. Uh, and I have to say, you know, in the business community, uh, once this book came out and a lot of people who know me read my book, you know, they were very supportive of, you know, what I had shared. And so I was pleasantly surprised by that in terms of the business, a lot of these business people, you know, supporting me in that that whole idea of finally sharing all these things that had happened to me. You know, it's not like they said, oh, you're crazy or whatever. And so that was, you know, the last couple of years have been so freeing for me. And, you know, I didn't write anything about this for all those years because I was in the world of business and because I was afraid of being viewed as being depressed or delusional or whatever. And but now that I'm I'm free and I feel whole, uh, you know, it's it's just all about helping people and reaching out with this story so that they know, you know, look, it's okay if you've had communication from your loved one. One more thing, Paula, is that you have a sort of technique called meld into spirit, which I think you communicate in your in person as well as in your book. Oh yes, meld into spirit technique. And I do mention that because uh, I, I feel like it's important for people to realize that, you know, you can be out walking or really anywhere and be consciously connecting, you know, your whole mind and spirit with spirit wherever you are. And I talk about how it's great to sit and meditate. There's, you know, I don't have any problem with that. Meditation is good. But I feel like it's really important that people uh, shift more to their conscious daily lives and think about consciously connecting with spirit. And I talk about imagining that, 
your body is just becoming a particle of light and your and everything around you is becoming like particles of light and then the whole universe is like you know these particles of light and you're you're just part of all that exists you know in the world of spirit that you know we're we're all part of everything that's here and that feeling of just melding being a part of that and letting go of everything else but you can do that while you're walking around wherever. And so I kind of bring that to the forefront. And I've actually had a couple of people say, you know, I'm really excited by that idea of doing that. They just thought, you know, they told me, they said, that's just a great, great way to uh, experience opening your consciousness more and realizing that we are all one. And so I'm actually working on... Um, eventually pulling together a workshop related to that idea. I'm not there yet, but eventually, maybe next year, I'll have some things pulled together about it to to provide more guidance than what's provided in the book right now. Well, there's a Persian saying, Dardanya bash as danya bash, to be in the world but not of it, similar to what's said in the Bible. Yes. And, uh, because you're, you're, you're looking at yourself from spirit to the world, if you can make that transition. Yes. And I think that's talked about in a, a lot of different uh, religious cultures in, in, a, in an allegorical way. And I think one of the allegories that's used a lot is wine. You know, yes. you can even say turn water into wine, turn ordinary consciousness into spiritual consciousness. Yes. So I'm, I'm hoping to promote more of that, you know, people being able to do that more on a daily basis and in everyday settings and not not just as you're going aside to meditate again meditation is great but again I, I think it's worthwhile to pursue wherever we are being able to connect like that well I think it'd be best before we leave that you tell people a little bit of how to get a hold of your book and how to find out more about you <laughs> well I do have a website and let's see I provided that that information to you also if they want to go to my website it's uh, https colon two forward slashes but it's essentially paula lens.wixsite.com and then another forward slash paula lens well let's just spell out that it's p a u l a l e n z dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com forward slash Paula Lenz, P-A-U-L-A-L-E-N-Z. Again, one word. Yes. Oh, thank you for doing uh, that. have to do uh, it. And so on that site, they'll find out more about the book. Uh, there is a feature there on the front that tells, you know, where you can get the book. It's not in bookstores. It can be ordered through Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and then Balboa Press, uh, but it is available to be ordered. And, you know, so there's more information there. I do have a blog on some other, some other things that I've done. Again, there also is a tab there that uh, gives some information about my background, my uh, business background, and so forth. So, uh, yes, if, if you're interested to find out more, you can definitely uh, go there. Suppose some people want to hire you as a speaker. Is that possible? Oh, yes, they can do that. Let's see. I guess the probably the best email to use 
if someone wanted to get in touch with me, would be Paula Lynn's 2019 at gmail.com. Okay. Well, thank you, Paula, and uh, we'll be certainly in touch, and uh, we'll see you later. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really enjoyed our discussion. This has been a beautiful, enlightening show. We wish Paula Lenz a bright future of bringing her message to the world. We are happy to have been a small part of it. The Coalition is a unique project designed to empower its members both individually and collectively. Besides individual empowerment, its broader focus is on the restoration, protection, and enhancement of citizen and human rights throughout the world through the aid of its members. As this project is centered in the United States, our first task is to create a website and social network infrastructure to promote collective efforts to take back our rightful control as citizens over our government as designed by our founding fathers. Although we must begin with a social network restricted to United States citizens, the organization will also host a global dialogue for the discussion of human rights by citizens of democratic nations throughout the world. If you're interested please check us out in the GoFundMe.com website, entering in the search field, The Coalition for Planetary Empowerment. That is, go to GoFundMe.com and enter in the search field, The Coalition for Planetary Empowerment. This is Johnny Blue Star. Imagine a dark night. The wind is crisp and cool. The sky cloudless and majestic. Perhaps you are walking alone or with a loved one. Scattered about the night sky are thousands upon thousands of points of light. Look above you, friends of this restless planet. Out there into the night sky, unknown worlds await. Beauty behind imagination. Intelligence beyond comprehension. Life in its infinite forms and variations, yet all from the same seed, the same fundamental vibration. A cosmic tapestry of infinite light yet each thread unique and indispensable. Look above you, out into the vastness of the night sky, for your destiny lies out there, somewhere among the stars. We go out with Patricia Welch's version of Top of the World. Let's go there and stay there. coming over me There is wonder in most everything I see Not a cloud in the sky Got the sun in my eyes And I won't be surprised if it's a dream Everything I want the world to be Is now coming true Especially for me And the reason is clear It's because you are here You're the nearest thing to heaven that I've seen I'm on the top of the world Looking down on creation And the only explanation I can find Is the love that I've found Ever since you've been around Your love's put me at the top of the world Something in the wind has learned my name And it's telling me that things are not the same In the leaves, on the 
trees and the touch of the breeze There's a pleasing sense of happiness for me There is only one wish on my mind When this day is through I hope that I will find That tomorrow will be just the same for you and me All I need will be mine if you are here I'm on the top of the world looking down on creation And the only explanation I can find Is the love that I've found ever since you've been around Your love's put me at the top of the world I'm on the top of the world looking down on creation And the only explanation I can find Is the love that I've found ever since you've been around Your love's put me at the top of the world Your love's put me at the top of the world Your love's put me at the top of the world